Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Good morning, everyone. Tara Williams here with the Mom Manual. I have an amazing guest today, Jennifer Barnard. She is an occupational therapist and the founder of Baby Begin. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I am very excited about this podcast today. And for anyone listening, they know I always say I'm very excited, but this one is really cool. So today we are going to be talking about those little baby helmets that are, I think, the cutest thing ever, but there's some more science to it. So Jennifer, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your work in occupational therapy, your background um, at Baby Begin? Just give guests a little more on who you are. Sure. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist, like you said, and I have been in the baby flathead business for about 25 years. Um, And a lot of people think, well, that's kind of a weird profession. Um, It is, except babies um, have been getting flat heads for quite some time. It's actually ever since the uh, back to sleep campaign. So as babies are sleeping on their backs, because of the constant pressure on the back of a soft skull, it is becoming misshapen. And so my original introduction to this field was I worked for the helmet company. So a lot of people are very familiar with the baby helmets and the helmets are what actually reshape the baby's heads. It can be expensive. There's a limited access to helmets around the country. Some states don't have very many providers and it's a rather emotional decision for new parents because they don't necessarily want to put their babies in a helmet. Right. And so um, 14, almost 15 years ago, I started Baby Begin, and our primary goal is to keep babies out of helmets. Hmm. So our business is based upon building awareness of plagiocephaly, which is the flat head, and then showing parents what to do and how to treat it without a helmet. So we have a lot of tricks. We have a lot of experts that work with us. Um, that are on our team, and we're able to show families and educate families about plagiocephaly. It's almost 50% of babies will have a flat head, and those numbers are just staggering when you think that it has been around for so long. So our our goal is to to just build awareness so parents have a good resource on on to learn about it and how to prevent it, and if it does happen, how to treat it uh, conservatively. I had asked you before we started, is this something that was always around? And you said, yeah, 25 years. So really the catalyst was the back to sleep campaign where baby is constantly just in one position, skull is malleable, creating this flat space. Correct. Correct. And prior to that, if baby could sleep on their side, stomach, they're moving their head in different places each night. So there's no pressure in one spot. Is that the idea? Yeah. So the back sleeping is what kind of pushed it over the limit, right? So they're on their back. And then we have the increased use of containers. By containers, I mean swings, bouncy seats, dock tots, car seat carriers that you can 
you know, put your baby in, take, move the car seat to the stroller, then move it to the da da da, and the baby's always in the car seat. So the increased use of these, what we call containers, is also causing a problem because the baby is then on their back all the time. They sleep on their back, they're in their bouncy seat for an hour, they like to nap in their swing, they go for errands with mom for a couple hours, so they're always on their back. And that, again, is putting excess pressure on the back of that very malleable skull. I'm thinking, especially my third and fourth, yes. all they did was drive around in the car seat. Yes. I'm going to go inspect their heads after this. <laughs> so the three things that Jennifer is going to educate on today, like she said, awareness, prevention, and then taking action. Let's jump in on the awareness, Jennifer. The key to treating flatheads is early intervention. Okay. Meaning the minute you see something that's going on or you have a suspicion that something is going on to seek out treatment because so much can be done when these babies are very young. And when I say very young, I'm speaking about probably before four months of age. So you have a very small window of opportunity to treat it conservatively. You can always go to a helmet, but that can only be done before 18 months. Mm. Okay. So building awareness, like understanding, okay, this can be an issue. This is how it happens. And so I'm going to do what I can because I know that it's going to happen to 50% of babies. So there's a very good chance that my baby might have it. Okay. So if I go and look and see my four-year-old has an insanely flat head, there's nothing I can do. Correct. Oh no. Okay. Well, <laughs> just, just another thing for the anxious new parent and yes. you could have a flat head and you only have a very short window to intervene. So when we talk about the before four months, what kind of intervention or, or what kind of signs are we looking for then? Okay. So there's a couple, the main thing that you're looking for is does your baby always turn their head in the same direction? Hmm. So when they're sleeping, no matter where they are, are they always turned to the right? And a right turn is more common. That's why I will use that as an example. If your baby is always turned in the same direction, there's going to be a force on that part of the skull for 15, 16, 18 hours a day when they're sleeping and on their back. So that's going to misshape in the skull. Mm-hmm. So you have to watch for a turn preference. Okay. So that's probably your main takeaway. The second thing I always like to tell new parents, and you can do this no matter what, is to really inspect your baby's head. And usually it's from the top. So I always encourage families, just take a picture. So if you're feeding your baby or holding your baby in the crook of your arm, have your partner take a picture from the top. And so you can get a good baseline. This is how my baby's head looks initially. And then once, you know, once every two weeks or once a week, take another picture in the same position and see if it's changed. If it hasn't changed, keep on with what you're doing and you're you're doing a good job. So maintain that. But if you feel like "Eh, I see that back is getting a little flat, then you have to take action. So watching your baby's head from the get go, even if your baby is two months old right now, take a picture of their head and see what it looks like. Because again, it's building awareness. I'm going to keep an eye on this head. Got it. Okay. So, and, and going back to the, if the baby sleeps with their head to the right, are you, are we thinking like turn the head or what, what, then what do we do with that? If we know this? 
So if you notice that the head, if, if the baby has a turn preference, they probably have a little bit of neck muscle imbalance. So there's a common misconception. Oh, my baby doesn't have good head control. So of course, if he always turns to the right, it's normal. It isn't really normal for babies who have normal neck mobility. Mm-hmm. Those babies, even though they don't have great quote head control, they can turn to the right a little bit, turn to the left a little bit, keep their head in midline, but they have normal range of motion. Babies who have a tight neck or torticollis is what it's called. If they have torticollis, they're only going to turn in one direction. And so that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. And that's its own thing almost, right? Where you, you need to bring your baby to a physical therapist. Yes, correct. Oh, there's so much. Okay. And you know, one thing I would say, and Jennifer, I will let you speak to this more, but as a mom and I have four kids and as a new mom, it feels so overwhelming. Are they eating? Are they latching? Are they gaining weight? Are they sleeping? You know, now it, we're, we're introducing, do they have a flat head? Do they have a tight neck? I mean, there's so much. And I think at the end of the day, it just always goes with your gut. Like as a mom, you use your intuition, you know, and all of this is important, but it's not things that we need to like really stress out about. Would you say that's a fair statement? It's a fair statement. But I will tell you, um, There's a fine line because I think if you don't at least think about it, Mm -hmm. then there's a ton of guilt that comes with, I mean, I deal with new moms and and I just got a DM just now that the mom said, I've done everything and we still need a helmet. I'm like, that is perfectly fine. There is no guilt to be had. You did what you could. The baby's better off. There is so much. And that's why this is so difficult because like you said, the first two months, you're just trying to get your bearings straight with this new world that you have been thrown into. Surviving. So yes, your survival of the fittest and sometimes <laughs> you're not very fit, like, you know, it's not going well. Right. And so, yeah, there's so much um, to think about. That's why I feel like if you know ahead of time, okay, I just need to keep an eye on this. And if I, if I do see anything, I don't have to stress about it. You know, we have a lot of stuff on our Instagram that helps with new moms. It's baby begin, and that will help be a good resource. Just check out our page and say, okay, I see that I need to probably stop using the docatot as much, for example, or maybe I need to up my tummy time, like easy things that we can do. We don't want to stress anybody out, but we do want to give you the tools that, okay, be looking for it. If you see something, here's what you need to do because knowledge is power. And we're trying to prevent that overwhelming guilt and that worry and that stress about it by being a good resource. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially with the knowledge is power. And now with social media, it's a lot easier to get just these quick nuggets of information. And like you said, as long as you're, you know, today, the goal would be for a pregnant mom or a new mom, just to kind of plant that seed and yes. just keep it in the back of your mind. And then you, you see something and, you know, talk to your, I would assume the pediatrician is kind of the first discussion point. Is that right? It just depends on your pediatrician. So some pediatricians are still of the mindset of, oh, let's just wait and see. Mm-hmm. And then you don't see your pediatrician for two more months. So mm-hmm. by that time, your baby is four months old, let's say. Yeah. And your pediatrician is like some of the ones we have here. They're like, okay, you need to go get a helmet. Mm-hmm. Or some of them say, here's a therapy referral. Or some of them say, let's wait and see. And we'll see how it looks at six months. Mm-hmm. 
you're in a helmet at that point. Right. right? So some pediatricians are very good about being proactive and like, let's take care of this right now. I'm going to get you into therapy or we're going to get you taken care of. But a lot of pediatricians are still waiting and seeing. Kind of waiting. That is not the greatest. um, That is not the greatest advice with this because time is critical. And we, I've had other people on the podcast who have talked about things of early signs of autism, and it's always the same thing. Like you don't ever want to wait and see, you want to take action, especially with how quickly babies are developing and rapidly changing um, physically and mentally when they're this young, Um, that's the time to jump in. I love this idea of almost having, you know, we think about when you go to deliver your baby, you have a, almost like a checklist. I want an epidural or I don't, I want to have a doula, right? You have this kind of card of things. I would imagine there's something like that when you go to your one month visit and your two month visit and, you know, whatever those were. And I love having this on there, you know, and asking the pediatrician, does this look flat? Can you give me your opinion? And if you're getting that pushback of that wait and see, I go to another pediatrician, look on, like, what would you say then if, if your pediatrician saying, oh, you, you know, we'll wait and see. This is where your knowledge as power is going to benefit you, right? Yeah. We are empowering new parents to say, you know what? I'm not comfortable waiting and seeing. I would like a referral to a pediatric physical or occupational therapist. And if they say you really don't need that, then you, again, push a little harder. I understand you don't think I do, but I've done my research. I know that early intervention is key. I would like to try to avoid a helmet. Please give me a referral. Okay. And you said it's a a pediatric? A physical or occupational therapist. So either, either, or is a good, either, or you just want to have someone that has experience with babies and with torticollis. Okay. So this really brings us into our next takeaway. So prevention. So now we know that under four months, you can have preventative measures, but what does that exactly look like? So you get to the OT, you say, I'm concerned. My baby's head looks kind of flat. What do they say to you now? Okay. So I'm going to even go a step back. Because I want to talk to new parents about what can you do to prevent it? Mm. Okay. So your first thing is you're watching for a turn preference. Okay. You're going to take action on that right away because that's the most common denominator for plagiocephaly or flathead is a turn preference. So you'll need professional help for that. But the key is, is identifying that. The second thing is starting tummy time from day one. So right when you get home from the hospital, that's on your checklist, like you said, tummy time. Yep. And the earlier, again, the earlier you start it, the better your baby will tolerate it. Even if it's on your chest, tummy time gets the pressure off of the back of the head, right? We want to take the pressure off of the back of the head because we know baby is going to be sleeping on their back because that's the absolute safest place for baby to sleep. But when they're awake and supervised, you should be doing tummy time. And a lot of people say, how much tummy time? My answer is always as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Okay, so tummy time. The third thing is limiting your time in containers because these restrict a baby's head and neck mobility. We do not want to do that. We want our babies to move. We want them to be free to move. So with containers, DACA tots are very popular right now. They restrict a baby's movement. And if your baby has a turn preference, 
I guarantee you they're not going to be able to turn in the other direction using a duck thought. Well, and and one one question on that, because gosh, I am thinking about my four-year-old. I mean, truly, he was in a container at all times. I mean, day and night. And we I feel like we did a reasonable amount of tummy time, but as a parent, it's, you know, they cry, they don't want to do tummy time. And you're like, oh, fine, put them back in the swing. Um, <laughs> so I probably could have been better on that. But going back to the docatot, like I thought that it's it's fairly soft in there. So is that still giving that? Because I think of the compression from a, a hard sleeping mattress. But are they getting that same compression? The What's where that? Do you, where do you place the docatot? Oh, floor. Yeah. I, okay. All right. Couch. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And it just keeps the baby's head in one direction. Right. So okay. no matter how soft it is. It's still going to be putting pressure on one quadrant of the baby's head. Right. So I will say to speak to what you you said, there are there are families that use containers all the time that, um, you know, that don't do a lot of time and time and the heads are okay. Okay. But these are big risk factors. And so we need to be very cognizant of, yes, some families don't have issues, but it's also 50% of babies that do. So we need to be really kind of mindful of where our babies are laying. So tummy time, like the boppy loungers, or they've been recalled, but the baby Bjorn bouncers are really popular, at least here in our area. Those restrict the movement and they're on an incline. So that's going to make that neck tighter if the baby has a neck tightness. Mm. And how common is the neck tightness? It's about the same because that's the, the biggest risk factor is the torticollis. Wow. Okay. And so some people will say, well, where does torticollis come from? Like, why are we seeing so much torticollis? Torticollis usually happens in utero. So if your baby, if there's multiples or if your baby drops early or they're breached for a long time, a lot of times, or a difficult delivery, a lot of times the neck can get tight on one side and then they come out, we lay them on their backs, we put them in containers and then that neck just gets tighter and tighter. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that's kind of your prevention things. The other thing is just being mindful of how you carry your baby. So if you're always carrying your baby on one arm, it's a good idea to switch arms and put them on the other side, put them over the right shoulder, put them over the left shoulder, you know, kind of moving your baby around doing sideline for playing is a really good way to get the pressure off the back of the head. So all of these things, just that's why just a little bit of awareness, I think you will, and taking a picture of your baby's head. Those are the things that you can do initially. And if you see an issue, you can jump on it. And by four or five months, you could be done with everything. Today's episode was brought to you by Dreamland Baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep the Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the Mom Manual and founder of Dreamland Baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wit's end. Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary CoverCom technology, 
evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest? So at the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that the helmets are expensive and they are emotional. Is there any other, I'm thinking like the brain is getting squished or a developmental delay. Is there, is there something else that occurs if the head is flat? There has been no long-term studies right now. They are telling us, no, it does not. And so then some people say, well, then it's just a quote cosmetic issue. I have a little bit of problem with that because there's a lot that has happened when that baby's head is misshapen. There's going to be jaw, you know, the jaw might be misaligned. The ears will be misaligned. Plus it's misshapen. So when we say cosmetic, that, you know, insinuates that we're trying to make something more beautiful that was already okay. We're just trying to get these babies within a norm. So everything works better when it's symmetrical. And so if we can get that baby symmetrical as much as we can, it's going to be much better for the baby. Plus in the face, like we want our babies to have as, as good a symmetry as we can in their face. And so some parents are made to feel guilty, like, oh, this is just the cosmetic issue. Well, Maybe or maybe not, but I think it, it is important to, just, to set our babies up, you know, as best we can right. uh, initially. But the helmets, um, there's nothing bad about wearing a helmet at all. They are very safe. They're FDA approved. They've been around for a long time. It doesn't affect brain growth at all. It's a very gentle pressure um, and it just is directing the skull into the flattened areas. So we know that we can do that with repositioning when the baby is young, and that's kind of what we specialize in. And then once the baby is over five or six months, then a helmet is going to be your best option. And I like to tell families all the time, please do not feel guilty about um, if your baby needs a helmet because you're making the head look better. You're doing what's best for your baby, and it has nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and just to sum that up for anyone who's listening. So if your baby has the flat head, there is no cognitive long-term development or damage. So I think that's really, really important to know just for that mom that maybe misses that eight month window and feels yeah. incredibly guilty, you know, it, this potentially jaw misalignment, but really this is not you're not going to damage your baby in a, in a cognitive. No, I think that's very, you know, again, on, on these podcasts, we always want to inform everyone, but I think so much of the parents that the feedback we get is there, they are so overwhelmed with the amount of information coming at them. And we have people reaching out all the time saying, where is the best site we should go for just general baby stuff. And there's so many, like you guys definitely specialize in, in um, helmets and we have other people that specialize in SIDS and, you know, all these different areas. And we have some places we direct that are really general for everything, but there's just a lot of information out there. So it's, it's really discerning, um, you know, where, where's the right information and then how it's all important. But, you know, if, if you make a mistake or don't get a helmet, 
it's not that you're setting your baby up to not be smart in the future, right? We have so much information, which is so wonderful that you can access anything at any time, but that's also, it can be incredibly overwhelming, especially for new parents. And I talk parents down off the cliff all the time for the guilt and the comparison and the, I just don't know who to believe. And I hear my pediatrician says one thing, you say another thing, my mother-in-law says another thing. And it's so hard. And I do feel sorry for new parents because um, it's a lot of information, but I also hear a lot. And this is why I started baby began new moms telling me, I wish I would have known. Yes. I would have done whatever I could have, if I would have known. And that's why, that's why we're so passionate about just talking about it because if you know, you can do better. Um, but there's no guilt to be had if you didn't know, but we're just trying to be like, okay, here's what you need to know. It's bare bones. Let us take care of it. If you need help. And these prevention things are are actually quite simple, really. It's, it's just moving baby, making sure they're not always in the same space and getting some tummy time in, which is what AAP is recommending anyways. So it's probably stuff that most parents are typically doing, but I love that, you know, knowledge is power. I'll I'll say that all day long. So (laughs) if the baby does need a helmet, you just mentioned they are FDA approved. So does that mean they are approved by insurance as well? It just depends on, you know, different carriers are different. Um, you know, some people, some carriers I know have a clause in there that says they will not cover a cranial orthosis, but some, some cover it, you know, there's a de- deductible that has to be made. You know, there's all the, the insurance game that we all hate. <laughs> oh, insurance. So I would just encourage any family that's looking for a helmet, you know, you would just go to a helmet provider and they can, they can check the insurance or you check the codes and all of that, just to make sure uh, what your out of pocket cost would be. And so if we're talking about third tip and takeaway, take action, is that now talking about actually getting into the helmet if need be? If need be, but I would encourage families to, to try to prevent that because there's so much you can do with a new baby because the skull is so soft. Mm-hmm. So your take action is you're going to, the minute you see an issue, whether your baby is two weeks old or six months old or a year old, you need to take action on it right. because this is a time sensitive issue. So we are really trying to educate about taking early action and letting us help you reposition your baby and show you some next stretches so we can get your baby on the right track. So now let's say action wasn't taken before four months and parent says, Oh my gosh, you know, my baby's had, I just noticed completely flat. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be with the OT or, um, pediatric, let's see, uh, pediatric occupational therapist OT or PT uh-huh. OT or PT. There we go. Or is it going to be with a pediatrician? Like, what is that, you know, for someone listening right now, that's like, Oh my gosh, this is me. What, what do I do? How do I start? To get so home. You can do two things. It depends on how your pediatrician feels about helmets. You can always ask your pediatrician, hey, I'm concerned about the head shape. I know now that I can't really do much other than a helmet. Where do you like to refer for a helmet? And they will probably give you some place that they like. You can also go for a consultation without a pediatrician mm-hmm. referral, um, and you can set that up yourself. So if you have two providers in your area, I would suggest checking out both and seeing who feels the best and you know what each each provider will do. And when you say provider, what is what is this group 
um, called or like this organization? You have to just look up helmet providers in your area. So Google helmet provider mm-hmm. and it. mom groups, you know, there, I'm sure you have friends that, you know, probably have had a helmet or know somebody that did. So um, that's the best way, in my opinion, to find someone in your area. And can you tell us a little bit about that process? So you look up the helmet provider, you go in and then what happens next? So what they do is they'll do an evaluation mm-hmm. and a lot of times they'll do measurements. So those measurements are good because it gives you objective data on how far off the norm or how much asymmetry your baby has. And a lot of families that are kind of on the fence or mom and dad don't agree, mom mm-hmm. wants a helmet, dad doesn't want a helmet. Sometimes those numbers are what is the pushing point. Oh, it's mild. We're not going to worry about it. You know, hair will cover it or it's pretty significant. We need to, we need to jump on it right now. So that objective data is very good sometimes. You know, they're probably going to tell you, you need a helmet They're I mean, they're selling helmets, um, but at least you'll get a consultation, learn about the treatment, learn about how long your baby will be in the helmet. They have to wear it 23 hours a day. So it's a big commitment. You're not going to cheat because you've spent the money and the time. So you need, the baby needs to wear the helmet all the time, but you know, your helmet provider can answer all those questions for you. Got it. And then how long typically, what's the range of how long they keep it on? Usually two to three months, but a lot of babies need two helmets. So something you're looking at maybe six months of treatment. So, it, you know, and that's a question that you would ask your helmet provider, what percentage of your patients wear two helmets? Because that's a big, you know, to me, that's a big decision because that's a lot of money and a lot of commitment. Right. So I'm thinking of this almost in terms of my eight-year-old actually just got braces, which seems very early to me, but (laughs) go in every, I think it's two months and get it tweaked. So are they going back and making adjustments with the helmet? Cause the head is growing. Yes. So this, I mean, this really is a big commitment. We're talking financially, we're talking time to drive in every one to two weeks. I know for me, I live 20 minutes from the highway. So to go anywhere is a commitment and these helmet providers, there's probably not one on every corner. So this really is a a big time financial. And can you talk to me a little bit about the emotional component of this? Cause I think they're cute. So if I needed one, I'd be like, great, put it on. Where does that emotional piece come in? I think a lot of families feel guilty that they maybe did something wrong, you know, that some people still think, oh, the baby, they never picked up their baby, uh, uh, which is ridiculous. Of course they did. Um, yeah. it's, so it's, it's more of a guilt, like I should have done something differently or I didn't do, I didn't do enough tummy time or whatever. So I think it's more mainly guilt. And then a lot of families just don't want to mess with it. They don't want to have the cuddle change. Like when you're, when your baby has to wear this plastic thing on their head for 23 hours a day, it changes how you cuddle with your baby. It changes how you nurse your baby. Um, so that's, that's something too. Okay. That makes more sense. I didn't really think of that. You know, one thing I do think it looks incredibly uncomfortable, especially for, it isn't, it's not okay. It isn't, which is a beautiful thing. Like I talk families all the time about, okay, you made the decision to do the helmet. I guarantee you, your baby is going to tolerate this better than you will. <laughs> mm, okay. But once you see that your baby's happy and they still have their cute little personality and they're sleeping. Okay. It makes the parents feel a lot better, but initially it's a little bit of a, you know, a just getting used to it. 
That makes sense. And then in terms of tummy time and lifting the head, it's not the helmet's not weighing it down, weighing a baby down. None of that. If your baby has a little bit lower tone and they have trouble with tummy time initially, and then you're going to put a helmet on them, it might affect their tummy time and their head control, but not enough to warrant like, oh, we're not going to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So would you say there are any cons to using a helmet? If we get to that point, you didn't, you weren't able to kind of intervene in between. Do you see any negative to using a helmet? No, I don't, unless it's going to kill you financially. Yeah. And when we say financially, what, what kind of range are we talking? I know you said, I mean, they can be upwards of $4,000 if your insurance is not covering it. Wow. Wow. Okay. And that's for one and you could potentially need two. Right. Right. But you know, a lot of times, um, you know, insurance, and it depends on the product. Some, some products are a thousand dollars, some are 4,000. So it just really depends on what's in your area. So it's really a wide range. Yeah. So that would be the only downside. There's not really a negative to doing a helmet. Yeah. Well, this for a mom that I I am just like itching to go look at my kids heads right now. (laughs) (laughs) I probably fine. (laughs) <laughs> I maybe, I don't, I, I guess I would probably notice it. I have two boys and two girls. And, and on that, I was actually thinking through, do, is there, uh, you know, girls longer hair typically. So do we see more helmets on boys or is there, is it 50, 50? I would say boys are more at risk for plagiocephaly. And we don't know if that's because they have maybe softer skulls. Hmm. Um, so boys are more at risk and firstborns. Firstborn babies are more at risk, probably because it's a little bit tighter real estate in there, you know, moms <laughs> yep. with the first baby. Yeah. Um, and then multiples are at higher risk again for the crowding in utero. Okay. Okay. So those are some kind of, you know, again, awareness. Oh, I'm having a boy. I'm having multiples. There's two boys in there. I might want to keep an eye out on the head shapes. Yeah. And then just going back to this awareness, anything we missed, anything, any other seeds we want to plant with anyone listening? I don't think so. I, I, the main thing also is when you learn this information, if you're in a, if your friend group has three pregnant moms, share it with your friends, because that's how we're going to, to change the numbers here is for moms to be talking to other moms about it. I have a lot of moms that I've treated all of their friends, and they really never knew that the mom, their friend was going through this. And it's sad because, because it's, it's so prevalent that, um, you know, if, if everybody knows about it, then we can make a huge difference in the occurrence of it. Yeah. And that, that's interesting that it's not something that's talked about. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about women who are struggling with postpartum and not sharing breastfeeding struggles and not sharing, but this is um, a very visible thing, right? You, you can't really hide that your child has a helmet on. So you would think that that alone is the conversation starter. Oh, your baby's wearing a helmet. I've never heard of that. What is that? Why? And then right. they say, um, and would say, you know, well, I guess most people are going to say I could have prevented it if I had done these things. Yeah. So- at that point, at that point, it's a little bit of guilt, right? So you're not right. going to say, yes, we use the boppy lounger too much. Right. You know? right. <laughs> or we did. And some moms will say we just didn't do enough tummy time. Yeah. You know, he liked his back and he was happiest on his back. And that's where we kept him. 
Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it, there's a little bit of guilt there. So it's more like, yeah, we're doing the helmet. We're going to get it fixed and we're moving on. We're moving on. Yeah. You know, this, this should be a conversation starter. And with the expense of this, if nothing else, uh, and the, the inconvenience really of driving, I don't want to drive anywhere every one to two weeks to get an adjustment for anything. Um, Especially with four kids, right? Well, and, and then someone else is going to be in, in their container having an issue because <laughs> we're just in containers all day. My yeah. kids, my first three are really close. There's only two and a half years between my first and my third. So oh they goodness. were, so they were all in car seats and all the time. So yes, I'm can't wait to go look at their little heads to see if they are flat or not. Um, I would say, let me say, speak to that real quick, because yeah. we do have a lot of, of moms that have multiple kids. If you're in the car seat all the time, I would just encourage once you get to your destination to take the baby out of the car seat. Yeah. So once you get home, don't let them sleep in there for another hour. Go ahead and move them to their, their flat surface or just put them on the floor for some good playtime. Yeah. You know, so we can't keep babies out of car seats because we have to travel and we have to run errands and we have to take sister to soccer practice, but we can get them out of the car seat once, once we're not in the car. I like that. And that, that really does align with, you know, some of the AAP that they, they don't want anything inclined for sleeping anyways, which really yeah. is a car seat. I mean, I think a lot of this goes back to like, how did our kids survive <laughs> before all these guidelines and all the helmets and all the other things? Um, but Jennifer, this was a wonderful conversation. So informative. We have a very quick fire round. We're going to ask yeah. some questions. Yeah. All right. What are you currently binging on TV? What I have recently been watching is Love on the Spectrum, the Netflix um, series about autistic adults dating. Oh, and it's a reality uh, there. You know, they follow real people with autism and it's just it's so refreshing and um, it's just lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very pure and, and yes. Um, what is the most recent book you've read? Um, that business book traction. So, you know, I'm a small business owner. Um, and so traction is, is, was came highly recommended to me and it's, it's, it's a good one. I love it. A shout out to all the small businesses, me being, yes. <laughs> um, how about your go-to productivity app? I don't use productivity apps. I, um, I'm more of a write it down in my calendar, but I'm older. <laughs> no nope, pen and paper. I love it. Um, how about your go-to de-stressor? I love hiking. And so I, I am a nature girl. So when I'm stressed or I need to get some good uh, ideas or creativity or whatever, I'm definitely out on the trails. I love that. I'm, I couldn't agree more. Jennifer, you have a code for everyone. And can you tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram, your website, all the places? Sure. So the, our company name is Baby Begin. So you can find us on babybegin.com on Instagram with Baby Begin. Um, and then we're offering a $10 off our Plagio 101. So this is, this is the awareness part. So we're trying to put everything in one spot so a new parent can look at this and this is, okay, I know it's going to happen to 50% of babies. I want to do everything I can to prevent it. Or my friend had a helmet and I want to prevent it. 
Um, and this is $10 off. So it's no, uh, no more flathead, I believe is the $10 off for that. Yep. No, no flathead. That's right. Oh, no flathead. Sorry. <laughs> I love that. No flathead. And where, what, what's your Instagram and website? Uh, babybegin.com. And then our Instagram is babybegin. Amazing. And they have a huge following you guys. So there's, there's definitely some awesome, awesome information there. Send your friends over there, check them out. Um, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us on the You're podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate you having me.